Our work has not only helped Ask so many not. Americans, it has inspired so many Americans. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. Terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings. Ask what you can do for your country. But they cannot touch the foundation of America. Especially so many young people out there. Tear down this wall. To believe that you can make a difference. To hitch your wagon to something bigger than yourselves. Hello and welcome to episode four of Millennial Manifesto. I'm Adam. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Isaac. Well, the end of another week. We've done a few things together as a group these last few weeks. Does anyone have any particular favorite they want to talk about? Last night we went putt-putting. We did? Is that cor- the correct? I don't know. Liz, you might know say about. mini-golf, depending on where you're from. I'm not really sure. We went mini-golfing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I go maybe once a year, uh-huh. if we're lucky. <laughs> it was the second time I went this week. <laughs> I, I, not really. You didn't tell us that. I go when I'm forced to. I don't like it. I don't either. I forced them to. I don't really either. Because, like, it's fun at first, but then, like, you get bored. And it's hard to, like... And the course we went to got kind of outrageous. Yeah, it was one of those courses that, like, there was lots of props. But then they also did this thing where they would, like, like saw off half of the course. like, But you wouldn't see it. Mm-hmm. Until, like, you've already hit the ball and it rolls back and hits you in the throat. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, well, this is a batting cage. This, not this a... is fun. <laughs> there were several times where we were supposed to get our ball through an object, but somehow, magically, <laughs> Isaac and I would always get stuck in the middle. Like, gravity shouldn't work that way or inertia, but goodness. So, pretty much the reason they don't like it is because they suck. Oh, oh, so Liz, that means you won then. Yeah, Liz must have won. Oh. Okay, I beat both of you guys by a lot. Liz went to state in mm-hmm. high school for golf. <laughs> in Idaho, where we live. And lost to someone who. Was this his first time playing golf? He I think grew it was. Up on the golf course. Oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> I grew up in the woods, so naturally, goodness. <laughs> Does anyone else have anything fun? Uh, <laughs> well, we did do something that we all had a fun time playing. What's I, that? I introduced you to the <laughs> magical world of Dungeons and Dragons. It was a crazy time. <laughs> oh, don't be that way. It was good. I made everyone spaghetti that night. That was fun. <clears throat> Liz and I had never played mm-hmm. D&D before. This was our first time. I thought it was a video game for a long time. Well, our friend Danny described it as... Like The Sims, mm-hmm. which I see where he's coming from now. But describing that to Liz, Liz is like, oh, that's going to be fun. I'm going to get to design someone's face, and then <laughs> they're going to shower, and I'm going to control when they sleep. And <laughs> sh- I never played The Sims either. Oh. oh. I was a sheltered child. <laughs> and I, we all created names for characters, and I particularly liked Isaac's, and he kind of fell in love with him. I do. I can't wait to play with him again. His name is Henry Frost. Mm-hmm. What was He's mine? a human. Mm-hmm. What was Yours mine? was named Spade. Spade. And it was an elf. Like Kate Spade. Yep, you were literally looking at a clutch when you named your character, if I recall correctly. What was yours? Mine was Chadwick Cornish, which is... <laughs> but we not, called him Chad. Which is not at all a real person that <laughs> I know. <laughs> I didn't realize till I asked yes. you what your name I hope he listens to this. Uh, well, we'll have to tell him this week. So, 
goodness. Well, with that, it's time for the first story. Oh. Now, it's been a week of flux in the world of politics. President Trump has been pretty quiet in Washington, I mean relatively for him, but the whirlwind continues. Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, met with President Putin for nearly two hours on Wednesday. Both the United States and Russia have alluded to this being the lowest point in the two countries' relationship since the Cold War. Um, we'll just start. Isaac, why do you think this is? Well, Russia's very mad at us mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, and I guess I understand why, from their perspective, why you would be, why they would be mad at us. But, you know, we're equally mad at them because they kind of have their hands in Syria and we have real issues with the Syrian government. And so, I mean, I think the answer is pretty simple. Why we, why this could be seen as the lowest point in our relations since the Cold War, which is actually a pretty scary thought because we were not alive during the Cold War because we are millennials. Yep. But <laughs> that made it sound like we're not. Yeah, but we, <laughs> we are. are. Um, <laughs> we are. Trust us. Wink, wink. <laughs> but that was a very scary time for Americans, and I would hate to live under the the fear of a nuclear war breaking out at any time again. So hopefully we can uh, fix this. Um, my thoughts on it are it just seems... It's just really weird, I think, specifically for millennials to see realistic foreign policy like the theme because we grew up in the time of hey democracy won diplomacy like bill clinton started that and even though we were starting to be more cognitively aware during the w era it was all for expanding democracy and that was like the idea of it and was more ideal in a sense but now like with this back and forth between russia and us it's back to that realistic kind of cold war uh foreign policy that our generation hasn't really experienced, so I agree, it's kind of scary. But, you know, like we said last week with foreign policy, you don't really know until you see how the cookie crumbles. And in this case, just from listening to the coverage and kind of trying to get my head into all the actors here, it it makes sense that Russia's acting really defensively. Uh, I think it's possible that they might have misjudged this administration and their hold on it. And so us literally slapping Syria, which is their client state practically, in the face and Russia being impotent and able to respond to it really kind of shifts the balance in a way that favors the U.S. And the outpouring of support from our allies just really rest assured that Russia isn't as powerful as it has been interposing. And really the past few years, uh, even though on CNN you wouldn't know because they were still looking for that missing airline with Ukraine. But <laughs> with the Crimea annexation... Shade throne. <laughs> there was shade thrown. Uh, with the annexation of Crimea and it's now getting involved in a client state like Syria, really they were escalated, but now with President Trump doing this with the missiles, it really kind of sets them back a step. What's, our com- what's comparable um, with our country like... Syria is to Russia like blank is to the United States. Would it be Israel? It would be, yeah, it would be someone like Israel. It would be, we have, I think, like one of the biggest, like, guarantee, like, countries. It would also be, like, some foreign power uh, getting involved in South America or someone closer. South Korea? Yeah, South Korea. Like, there would be several, and which is a current issue going on now. Yeah, I was about to say, that's been talked about this week, too. Mm -hmm. Well, Liz, what do you think? Well... Just so everyone knows, tonight I'm having a very hard time putting all my thoughts together. So. Yeah, that 
Isaac and I are very attractive young men, so it's just really throwing her off. That's a disclaimer. Tonight, Isaac and Adam are more attractive than normal. She had never seen us before tonight. (laughs) (laughs) It's really taking her. With all phone interviews. (laughs) Anyways. Uh... I, I agree. I think this is pretty scary. I think that Russia's more mad because they thought they were going to have a lot more control over the United States. So it's kind of what Adam was saying. But they thought, oh, okay, backtrack. I think Russia is upset because they thought they were going to have control in a sense of if they took any type of step into the United States election, which seems to be what they did, then they would have so much more control of what happened. And then all of a sudden, curveball from Trump. And that's not happy for them. That being said, if this is the lowest it's been, how much lower can it go, considering where our allies are at with us? Uh, I, I don't even know if that made sense, but I think that it is scary because obviously we don't want a nuclear war, but it's also something that, hey, look at how we can build this because we did something that some people would say is right. Mm. Well, Liz, it's interesting that you touched on that because that kind of leads into the next question because you mentioned our ties with Russia and it's been a theme throughout, you know, the media as well. So what do we as millennials specifically think that this means with Russia, specifically in regards to their interference in our election. Um, I kind of spoke on this last week a little bit. So if this is your first episode that you're listening to, go back one more in the feed to episode three and listen to that um, because there's more. We talk more about that in that episode. But I think um, this is beautiful theater in terms of now no one seems to be talking about Russia interfering with the election, and I'm not saying that that was planned by the Trump administration, but that is the way that it has been done, and I think that the media tends to kind of follow um, the latest headline, and they tend to let some of the loose ends um, just stay loose, and they don't tie those things up. So I would really like to be able to see, you know, the finish the Russia investigation. This, just because we're not getting along at this moment, I don't think that Trump and Putin are buddies, but I think that Trump and Putin might have worked together to let him win. So I I don't think it necessarily says anything about that period of time. I just think it says maybe they got what they wanted and now they can move on and they're getting, they're disagreeing. Mm. For me, it's, like I said earlier, I just can't get my head out of like this realistic foreign policy look. Because I want to believe, and I believe many moderates and independents and just normal Americans think, oh, okay, we're, this isn't, it isn't that big of a deal. But I want, I want to, but I can't because you, it, it just seems so easy for this to be theater. Because if this had been more of like Russia at stake, even though Syria is a client state, it politically wounds them, but it's not like Ukraine. It's not like... Crimea, it's nothing that really hurts them. It's just a political slap in the face. Right. Liz? Well, I I can't lie I can't lie and say that I didn't think that when I've been looking at stuff. This has to be a joke. This has to be made up. Like this is too good to be true type watching all of this. 
uh, I don't know. I guess I don't want it to be true that this is theater, but it really, you're right. It does really, really, really look like it is. And why do we think, I mean, I listened to our podcast last week. And just kind of like the uncertainty that we expressed was not being shown at all really by the affiliates. Um, do you, we have any theories why maybe we as millennials being a generation different are more hesitant to this or any thoughts at all to the matter? Mm. I think when you're on TV, is that what you mean? Yeah. The affiliates on TV? Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's it can come across as being as you're dumb, if you say, like, we don't really know. Like, I don't really know. I don't have a solid opinion on this. And, I, you know, I don't think a CNN affiliate or a MSNBC affiliate want really want to go on TV and say, like, we don't really know, and I don't really have an opinion about this. They are kind of paid to just be, like, political hacks a lot of times, and they have to take, like, a very strong stance one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And that's not really who we are. And so it is confusing. It's a lot going on, and I don't necessarily think there's a, a solid... I'm not in a solid place where I know this is like one thing is right and one thing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any last thoughts before we? My, I have a question. Um, <clears throat> we are we represent three different viewpoints. We mm-hmm. represent three different sides of the aisle, and we interact with our respective sides quite a bit, <clears throat> whether that be online or in person. What are we getting? Um, what are we sensing from? the conservatives, the moderates, and the liberals as to what they feel about um, this whole thing with Syria and the whole thing with Russia, just like very briefly. Um, I'll speak for mine. And, you know, being a moderate, if we don't like have conventions where we hide and say, oh, thank heavens, there's not partisan people here. I wish <laughs> sometimes. But I really kind of interact with both sides a lot. But what I get the sense from most, you know, ordinary people or people that remain out of politics is it seems like a sigh of relief. Mm. It seems like this, it's odd that 59 missiles can seem like finally President Trump is being consistent. Mm. But it seems like that's been like the cycles this whole week. It's why we've been difficult to find any major like stories this week. I think everyone's taking this as a sign of, okay, maybe this is normalcy. Maybe he's listening to his advisors. Maybe not all of them are crazy. That's what I think lots of people have been looking for. And, you know, just anecdotally from the circles I run in, that seems to be how they're feeling. Oh, maybe it's normal now. I'm going to tag off of that because I haven't talked as much with the people that I'm around most of the time about this. Uh, But I will say... I feel like it's one extreme or the other of, yes, America's got balls. We don't care who we make mad. We're going to do what we think is right. Or the opposite of, why are we so dumb? Why would we make someone mad and risk something like that? Something like, I guess, whatever could happen. But You're seeing both those in the conservative movement? uh, Yeah, I would say so. Hmm. But, I mean, it depends on how extreme you are, how non-extreme you are, the conservative side. But... That being said, that's really good for America, I think, because like Adam said, we're starting to see some normalcy of how people are viewing calls instead of just like, he's crazy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so. But I think that makes sense that, and it's weird because normally if I say something, I disagree with you, Liz, on it, but 
I think both of our camps are hoping for some normalcy. Mm -hmm. For like, first off, so we can live our lives. I mean, like, just we're not we don't want to be stuck to the looking at crises every day. And that would behoove both, you know, moderates and conservatives and Republicans. So, Isaac, from your side, not to say that you have the most to lose, but, I mean, how, how does this taking the liberal camp, how is this taking you? From what I've seen on <clears throat> from my liberal friends on Facebook and from people I've talked to in my classes, it's not it, – it just doesn't seem to have a lot of their attention, which is interesting to me. Hmm. This whole thing with Russia has kind of died – I think – you're not going to change a, a progressive's mind on Trump. You're not going to change their mind on a Trump administration. They're focused on all kinds of little other things. They're focused on, you know, the Fox News scandals, all this stuff. I've seen articles about that stuff, not necessarily about the Trump stuff. And I think maybe what that could mean is that there's not a lot for them to criticize. Mm. You know, or there's not... Maybe they're in the same camp as me where... You know, I, I'm not fully there. I don't really think he made the right... I'm not sure if he made the right call, but I'm not going to start talking about it until I can formulate an actual opinion. Mm. So they're kind of focused on other stuff. Mm. Um, I, w I will add, I believe Trump's numbers went up like four or five points this week. In one poll. Yep. It went up one in another. Yep. Which, I mean... Still, we can safely considering, say high 30s, low 40s. I'm not saying it's good, but considering how drastic it was going down, like, and how quickly it was going down, the fact that it would go up at all is good. I would say good just in a sense of, okay, like, again, he's not super crazy. They were, they're still dismal. Mm -hmm. And I think... And, you know, you might disagree with me, but also the fact that both lots of Obama alumni or came forward and saying, hey, that was probably the right call to make, like mm -hmm. John Kerry, mm -hmm. uh, Hillary Clinton. I'm sure that probably just diverted the liberal attention. What do you think? I agree. I think. But that's what I talked about last mm -hmm. week, too, yeah. where there's these political elites who are they're Democrat, Republican. There's a lot of hawks. There's a lot yeah. of people who want the military action and from a from a progressive millennial standpoint that's not where they are mm -hmm. and that's why there is such a, a distancing from that's i think it goes back to why there wasn't a huge embrace of hillary clinton by millennials mm -hmm. it's like there is a separation there's just different values and i think this is just an illustration of you know that there are democrats who are elites who favor this kind of thing and then there are people who are like, why did we even have to do it? And I think that is more of the liberal uh, millennial mm. perspective. Well, really, the relationship with Russia is just one of many things President Trump has seemed to reverse his position on over the course of this week. He has made huge U-turns on China, Russia, Syria, and the biggest being our relationship with NATO. Um, are we all surprised that Trump has reversed so many of his positions? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I think, well, I, quick poll, I think none of us are. Uh, <laughs> as all of us laughed. We all just have like this smirk on our face like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I say no, but it's pleasantly, I'm pleasantly surprised that he has reversed his positions. Mm. Um, throughout the campaign, he was saying crazy things about NATO and China and Russia. And they sounded great for a soundbite, but they weren't realistic 
and they really riled up the base, and that's all he was concerned about was riling up his 35% of the people who loved him and just making Repu- not saying anything too controversial to lose the other, uh, you know, 20-something percent of Republicans. Mm. But, you know, I'm glad he has. I'm, I'm glad he's reversed his positions. It's nice now, but still I'm not at ease because how quick yeah. he was able to switch and perhaps go to where I think things should be. That means that he could just quickly go to a crazier place. I just, I hate the non-consistency. I said this from episode one. I just really don't like how quick he moves on things and how he's just so not consistent. You can't get a read on him because governments are slow and we have one of the biggest republics and we need to communicate with our allies. And so on issues like NATO and like Syria where several players are involved... Maybe being quick on the tail isn't always the best thing. It suited us well this time, but I don't think it'll always be good. Liz, what do you think? Uh, to the question, are we surprised he reversed so many of his positions? Yeah. Do you want to develop that any further? <laughs> yeah. uh, no, not at all. Um, when I say that a lot of Republicans are saying he's reversing his position, Yeah. no, I don't think they think that. I think... That they are, he is broadening his horizon as to what he's doing, hmm. and or his position, because if you if think about this, this is gonna be a little far fetched. But if you think about this, he didn't really give you full plans on his campaign trail. He just kind of gave you like little snippets. You admit it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> hey, I didn't ever say this. <laughs> so, in a sense. Or in theory, I suppose, you could say, well, he didn't really give you a full plan, so maybe this was his plan all along. He didn't reverse anything. See, he's not as crazy as he sounds. I'm going to call him crazy 50 times tonight now that I've said that once. Uh, so I'm not one bit surprised that he was going to reverse it. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. From the get-go of him running for presidency, I pretty much said this as a joke. He's going to run as a Republican, and then say, ha-ha, I'm a Democrat. So, not that I actually thought that was true, but mm. I'm not at all surprised. I mean, he grew up... Wasn't it in Morning Joe that they talked about him growing up being a Democrat? He was a Democrat until 2011. Mm. Yeah, the, but they said he was a... Is he from Long, Long Island? Yeah, Democrat. he's a Long That's Island Democrat. Him. He's Queens. That's where he lived. That's yeah. where he lived. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean... It's just really weird. It's really weird with NATO because it's very centrist. And he ran really hard on a nationalistic kind of push. So with that, I mean, do we believe that this centrist move is a permanent one? Or is it just a PR strategy, whether domestically for us Americans or to throw Putin off base? I mean, what do we think on that? Do we think it's permanent? There is... um, I'm always mixed when we talk about how much of... Trump's actions are PR because he is a marketing man. That's what he's always been. Um, but I think sometimes we assign him a lot more credit than he's due. <laughs> I, I just think he's trying to trying his best and his best isn't good enough. And he's just just trying to like just like survive the next day and and then something works out for him and we're all like wow what a marketing genius. But in reality he has no idea what he's doing. He's never had any idea what he's doing. He's lucked out all along the way. I want to say that it's 
I want to say that it's not permanent because of how quick in the past politically he's danced back and forth. But I also, I'm 50-50 because I also want to say he, it is very evident that this man has an ego and he likes to go where his ego is flamed and supported. Hence the whole issue about inauguration numbers. But here he's actually getting like, hey, not half bad for once in his 100 days, really. So I think it could be conceivable that he stays in this, I'm going to call it, and we'll coin it here. You heard it here, a millennial manifesto. Quasi-centrist Trumpy. Has a ring to it. (laughs) Because he's going to jump back and forth so that way the people in the middle like him, but the base that got him elected and will probably keep getting elected, hopefully, is their idea. Uh, those weird people that don't, not weird people, don't want to call anyone weird. The <laughs> folks that don't normally, <laughs> the folks that don't normally go out and vote that helped him win in the election will still support him. Okay, well, uh, I would say, guess are mean people, pretty much Isaac said he doesn't think he has the brain power to be able to make this a PR move. <laughs> I disagree with that. <laughs> I definitely think this is a PR move. <laughs> so that is what I said. I stand by it. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much exactly what you said. So um, I disagree with that. I think he is very good at marketing, very good at public relations, very good at getting people to think what he wants them to think, at least for a short period of time. That's how he got elected. So I'm going to stand by that one. Also, I would just like to say, you know, I watched an interview of him yesterday saying, again, let's just say before I even say what he said, shut up, shut up. <laughs> the most consistent. We're four for four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so annoying. He says, I have done almost more than any other president in the first 100 days. I did. I did hear that. What was that on? Was that on? I don't know who's... I... Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And I was just like, why are you saying this? Like, no, you haven't. And even if you had, if you had, you wouldn't have said that. Like... Right. It's it's driving me nuts. So, I do think it's PR moves because he... It's like, he gets a check and he's like, let's go tell everyone we did something that we meant to do. Like... (laughs) Well, we're kind of all thinking the same thing that is good PR so we already know how Isaac's base is going to react to the PR not at all so (laughs) let's think from I already stated from a moderate perspective I think people are at least breathing a sigh of relief and think maybe he can do the job but I think the biggest base that is the most susceptible to his PR and the one that he kind of needs the most is the Republicans so Liz do you think this PR strategy as you seem to think it will work I mean, it's already worked for four extra points this week. Do you th- so. No, do you think it'll uh, help with the mainline Republicans? Do you think they'll be more uh, on his team, like the Freedom Caucus? Or... Well, I don't know I could speak for all of them, but I would say it's, it's going to help him more than it's going to hurt him. Mm. I don't know that I could say, yeah, I think it's for sure going to help, but I think it's definitely not going to hurt him the mm. way he's been hurting himself. The, if I may, and you tell me if this is right or wrong. This is how I interpret it, how it's going to be from a Republican standpoint. There's his base, 
his 30 to 35% people who he can do no wrong, according to them. Yeah. They're always going to be there. And then there's the other Republicans, kind of like you, kind of like the people who we grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're just looking for something to, like, give him the... They're, like, giving him the benefit, benefit of the doubt. And so they... This is something that's, like, not negative, and the Gorsuch nomination is something that not, that's not negative. So, like, they're really leaning into it, and they're saying, like, we really like him. Like, look at what he's done, mm-hmm. because they, they want to feel good about the vote they cast. I don't know that I'd say it's because they want to feel good about the vote they cast, but... And I don't even want to say... Like, I get what you're saying, but I wouldn't even want to say that these people are leaning completely full on, oh, these are there's two good things that he's done. Like, let's put all of our eggs in that basket. Uh, I w- okay, here's what I'd say. The, like, 35% that could do no wrong. They're, this this type of stuff is, like, making them go, like, yeah! Like, they're exci- the excited crowd. And the other 20%, whatever percent is okay sigh of relief i wouldn't put it much further than that because those people are still on their toes Mm. they still know to be aware of this could go really well or this could go really poorly Mm. Mm. but they're still gonna vote for him in four years guess we'll have to find out in four years because i don't know the answer to that question she was ready you guys just see do we I'll have... tell you, they will. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any more thoughts on this before we move on? I don't think so. No. All right. Well, other than these issues, it's been, as you could tell by our responses, a pretty light news week. So we've received some feedback from the people that enjoy hearing our views on issues in a general context. So that brings us to a new segment that we would like to call Millennial Theory. This would give us the opportunity to take a broad topic and delve into it from our respective parties' viewpoint, as well as from a personal millennial perspective. This week, we would like to start with a bang and talk about guns. I would just like to immediately apologize for the pun. I insisted that it be put in the script, but immediately upon saying it, I feel really awful, and I'm just so sorry. Adam's actually not a millennial. He's a... 37-year-old father of three. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. And kids, go home, go to bed. As many of you all know, the right to bear arms is a hotly controversial part of the Bill of Rights, and with many interpreta- interpreting the amendment differently. So, to be fair and factual, I will now present a reading of the Second Amendment in the same tone as it would have been announced by a town crier. <laughs> Oh, my God. I was hoping you would do this. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. The Congress of the United States of America, with its 13 states, has approved the Bill of Rights. They didn't actually approve them all at the same time, but that's... Okay, anyway. The Second Amendment. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That was the... Never mind. <laughs> radio radio theater was not my strong suit. But anyway, that's the reading of the Second Amendment. So, just simple. How do you interpret this? Go. Uh, don't touch my guns. I am allowed to have them. And you're allowed to have a good military. 
Oh, I got that. Now I, I did, think we need to break this into two. Now I did say militia. Just yeah. That the the reading says militia, not military. So just want to make that clear. Yes, I'm okay. aware of what you said. Okay. And we no longer do the militias, correct? No. I mean, you you could theoretically call our state guard a militia, but it's not the same sense. It, lots of le- this was a group of people, yeah, banding together to create a. Basically, how it would look like today is if the British were coming, your entire apartment block would grab your muskets. I kind of brought it together, <laughs> and you'd go and defend, and you would practice on the weekends, just in case that would happen. It's basically a militia from their context. But okay, so that was Liz's thoughts. I'll go. I mean, that's as simple as I could say. No, yeah. Uh, simply for me, uh, how I interpret it is different from Liz's viewpoint. Uh, I think from, if I'm taking on their perspective, I think they're thinking of the war they just fought and the fact of the world they live in and that militias at the time were what they used to defend themselves. And so with that context, I feel as though this is specifically targeting militia and the right to form those is necessary to the security of a free state. And so in order for a militia to form, people need guns, or in this case, muskets. So I think the primary effort of the amendment was for militias, not the idea of individuals having guns just for guns. It was the idea of people having guns so that way they could form these said militias. But that's my thought. I think it's uh, not as black and white as it may seem. Um, I do think that people should be allowed to own guns, but the technology behind guns has changed quite a bit, and I don't understand why we would take a document that's old and not try to interpret it based on what technology we have today. Mm-hmm. So I think you know people should still be allowed to own guns, but there's a lot of things that exist now that didn't exist then, and so like a lot of laws, I think that they should be looked at um, it through the lens of where we are today. Mm. Now, and correct me if I'm wrong because you're representing our parties, I want to be clear on my personal opinion because I was kind of just, that was my personal opinion, but I think that of moderates kind of fall in the middle when it comes to the future of this discussion that we're getting into. Uh, I think they can be easily swayed. It is definitely a partisan issue, I would say, as to the limits of gun control, as we now call it, or gun regulation in general. So before we move on to more modern context, did any of you guys have any more thoughts on the amendment, how it should be interpreted, stuff like that? Well, I see, I I guess I am of the belief that you should be able to have the guns because of what you said, Adam, that because a person should be able to have that security in their home and be able to just have that protection against whatever harm is coming, regardless if it's the British that are coming to kill you and your whole neighborhood, or if it's someone that decides that they just want to break into your home, or if it's a wild coyote in your yard. I think that everyone has the right for that own their own protection and to have something like that if they so be wish it. And that's a fair interpretation. I just disagree that the where the emphasis should be just upon reading the amendment 
You believe the emphasis should be on the militia. That's mm-hmm. the primary reason for writing the Second Amendment mm-hmm. and the bare arms is kind of mm-hmm. uh, because of the militia. Yeah. You should be able to. And I can't speak for James Madison. And I want to be clear, just for the folks at home, that I am not advocating that we should just have militias and people should own. No one should be able to own a firearm. I don't believe in that. I believe people can't, to some extent, should be able to own a firearm. But that's just when I read the amendment with my novice brain and novice knowledge of American history, that's what I believe they intended. I think we're, we're I, I know we won't go much further down this route, but mm-hmm. we're touching a little bit on what we talked about last week with Neil, Neil Gorsuch and mm-hmm. how liberal judges interpret laws based on, and how conservative justices um, interpret laws. And I think we're kind of falling into our camps yeah. where, you know, I believe that laws should be, um, they're not just black and white. It's not strict. It's It should be um, looked at in, as an interpretation mm-hmm. and to speak for Liz you can correct me I think you're more let's stick to what it says let's be a little more strict on what it says this is what it says this is what it does not say let's follow exactly what it says mm-hmm. well I don't know if I'd say that though because I think I am seeing it as modern day I am seeing it as how this would apply today sure I'm I just mean the the, the, the actual the fiction. actual way it's written well that leads to the next question because you guys are both bringing up the modern day here we are now in the year of 2017. Where do we each draw the line with gun regulation? Should we regulate it? If so, what's the line? Um, we'll start with Isaac going ahead. The line, so just to put myself into context here, I grew up in a family full of people who own guns. I've owned guns. I've shot guns. It's, it's not something like... I'm where a lot of Democrats are, which may surprise a lot of Republicans. A lot of Democrats do not want to take away people's guns. Mm-hmm. I think that is something that is um, spun by organizations like the NRA, that Democratic candidates and Democrats want to take your guns away from you. That's not it at all. Rarely will a Democrat say that. Rarely will a Democrat think that. Um, and I am the same way. I think they're just whenever the... Uh, amendment was written there were muskets like you mm-hmm. said the technology has advanced and let's not forget that guns are are designed to kill they are designed to kill so I think someone should be able to protect themselves I think someone should be able to go out and hunt for their family and eat deer and whatever but there nice. are things that are designed to kill humans like semi-automatic weapons and automatic weapons there are people who are mentally disabled and uh, that should not be able to purchase weapons. So I think we need to limit who can buy weapons. I think we need to limit the weapons that they're allowed to buy. And I don't think that's infringing on anyone's right. I don't know why Billy Bob down the street needs to own an AK-47 in his home. I don't understand that. That is a military-grade weapon that was designed for the military, not designed for Billy Bob to put on his mantle so that he could shoot squirrels with it. Mm. Billy Bob. He'll be on next week. Anyway, uh, as far as my opinion, I think that's important to open up with our personal background with firearms. Uh, My immediate family did not own a gun. We did not have a gun in the house. Uh, My father and my mother are not against guns in any way. We just didn't have the need to own them for the big portion of my life. The town in which we hail from, uh, Lamar, made it up. Uh, It's in Kansas. Oh, it is, I think. Oh, That's never. where we're from. Lamar, Lamar Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> anyway, uh, we lived in town and, w- and there was no point to. And then upon moving to a more rural area outside of said town, 
it was at the point where we still felt no need to buy a firearm. However, I've shot several. My grandfather keeps some at the farmhouse where we all go and visit, and that's where they are. I've hunted. I believe that one should own a gun. And I believe that one should understand how to use guns. One thing that aggravates me just as an individual is people just being completely fearful of them. And, you know, this probably comes from a different background, of course, so I empathize with that. But at the same time, guns, you can learn to use them in a safe environment. I've taken firearm safety courses. I've taken conservation courses in order to get my hunter's license. And so I understand that it can be taught. But... I do think there are lines when it comes to regulation. However, just another personal thing for me, I'm always hesitant with the government regulating anything because that's just the type of person I am. So I'm hesitant with extreme regulations. However, I feel like there's a few common sense, moderate regulations that should be in place. I feel like criminals should not have access to any firearm. I feel like people that are on certain watch lists should not be having any access to a firearm. And I believe that there should be systems in place in order for us to know where guns are. So this is pretty much status quo because that's how the laws are in the books. But where guns are and how they are sold. And when it comes to limiting certain guns on the street, I believe there is a line. I do not believe, and this is me kind of leaning to the left, an AR-15 is needed for home defense. Uh, I do not believe that any weapon that you could switch to automatic fire should be needed. However, I do think handguns are sensible and hunting rifles and other shotguns that are used for hunting in rural areas are perfectly fine. It should not be infringed. That's my thoughts. I would like to start off by saying when I move, when, no, if my family moved to where Adam's neighborhood was in the rural area of our town, I would have bought a gun because it was dark as crap. Mm. There was no street light. <laughs> and it scared me every time I drove to your house. But not crime ridden. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't crime ridden, but I'm afraid of the dark, so that was enough for me. <laughs> it was a very see, safe neighborhood, actually, but see, it still scared me. Liz, you adopted the dark. I was born. It's terrifying. Sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> background for my family is, let's see, we've, I think, always had some sort of gun in the house. Well, once, yeah, I'd say we probably always had some gun in the house. I just didn't know until a certain point uh, because a little girl didn't need to know where a gun was. Uh, so my dad and my brother both have their conceal and carry, one of my brother's. Uh, I've highly, highly considered doing it myself, which I'm pretty sure will probably happen at some point. And a little bit of background. My, the boys, I know pretty much all of my family thinks like, yes, we should have a gun in our house. Like, it's good to be protective. Here's one in the closet by this door. Here's one in the closet by this door. There's one in dad's closet. If you need it, we'll go ahead and keep one in the truck too. Uh... My mom freaked out when there were guns in our house or if we knew where the guns were. If my dad was the only one, it was okay. But she freaked out, freaked out. And, I mean, we're from a town where we say, hey, dad, can we can we go shoot in the backyard? And that wasn't really a big deal. I mean, somebody was with us, but, like, okay, let's go 
get a pile of something and just go shoot stuff in the backyard. And that was not a big deal. We did not hunt. My brother, I think, hunts some type of bird every once in a while. Maybe. I think. Is it duck? Quail? That, <laughs> is it duck or quail that you have to, like, get in the little barrel thing? Oh, the, it's, I think it's duck hunting. Yeah, I think yeah, he's gone duck hunting a couple times. Maybe. And, uh, and I mean, that's about the extent of that. I We have it pretty much for defense and for recreation in just the idea of shooting. We've gone to the shooting range a lot of times. Uh, we have a lot of pistols, too. We don't really have hunting rifles. Um, so that's kind of where we're on. We're pretty pro-gun, I would say, at our home. Or in, yeah, in my home, really in my hometown. It's pro-gun. I think that if you're going to buy a gun, I'm with Adam on this. I don't think you should have, the government should have very many regulations for on people. But on guns, I obviously don't think that someone who is mentally handicapped should be able to go buy a gun. Because statistically, that's how we get bad things to happen. I think that there should be some sort of test that you take uh, maybe once every five years or something that says, yes, I'm allowed to own this gun. Uh, so that way it's not, it's not just pretty much handing them out at Walmart. That being said, I think Walmart, go ahead, sell guns. I have this slip of paper. Here's how you know I can print this off, like, or how you know I can buy this gun. I hate, I kind of hate that people can just go buy guns at Walmart just because they want to buy a gun. Uh, but I think they, they deserve that opportunity to have that protection. But a gun safety course shouldn't be that hard to take if you shoot guns often. So, mm. you know what I mean? Um, that was a really weird sound. <laughs> just completely. Um, so... <laughs> 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 I can jump in. Okay. Um, no, I I am pro gun. I I do think you should have a course, just like how the conceal and carry has a course. I think you should have something like that to get it uh, to be able to buy a gun. And I mean, this is opening a big can of worms that I'm sure a lot of people are going to disagree with me because we. I mean, we have open carry now. In some states. So that's just, mm. I mean. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. My, I'm struggling to see where we disagree, I guess. I think, well, here's what I was thinking. Because just anecdotally talking to several people, we go, we're in a college town now. And that brings together several people we identify from a more rural area. But I will do my best to take on what they've said to me. From where they're from, whether that be the city or the suburbs of either <clears throat> major cities, uh, people don't own guns for what we just listed. They don't own guns to hunt or for re recreational use. Anytime someone owns a gun, they are using it to hurt someone. And that's how they see guns. And that's why they're fearful of guns. Because anytime they have an interaction with a firearm, it's either them hearing it go off and then think, uh-oh, something bad just happened, like what we think whenever we hear a siren go off, or that it's being, they are involved with it in a negative way. Mm -hmm. It's used for a crime. And it's rare that someone from that background wants to own a firearm to, they want nothing to do with it. Because they don't want to, they don't 
like it's an evil thing to them. See, and I think the difference is between that and like in our backgrounds, it's I mean, I can remember in high school, like a friend of mine saying, yeah, because there was some stuff going on that was negative to their church and saying, yeah, come at us. If you decide you're mad at us, there was gun or shooting threats, I guess, at their church. And they said, our pastor has his concealed carry and the entire congregation, you just see like five old men get up and be like, put it down. And in my mind, that seems like, okay, come on in. You're going to try and shoot me. It's, you're going to have to be okay with the gun pointed at your face too, if that's what you really want, which obviously that's extreme. Right. But that rhetoric, it, it, I don't like it. And maybe that's why I'm a moderate. I just don't like that rhetoric. I think it's okay that if someone owns a gun, but I think with great power comes great responsibility. I don't think you should always err on that as like, come at me. Like that just encourages violence. And I don't I'm think not, that's okay. I'm not saying you should say, come at me. I'm saying that, I'm not saying she was right in saying, come at me. I'm saying she didn't feel the fear of a bad guy having a gun because she knew she could at least be protective of herself. Let's, um, we do come from similar places and similar backgrounds, but I tend to understand um, my party's viewpoint, and I think you both probably understand your party's viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So to create a little bit more of a dialogue, mm -hmm. can we talk from that perspective? Mm. Um, because you didn't talk, Liz, you didn't talk about the um, semi-automatic, automatic weapons. Um, I guess my question for you would be, take yourself out of it. Talk about the Republican Party. Why Why do they seem to want to make it easier for people to buy guns? I think it all comes down to us having the right to do that. So there's no line to be drawn as far as what someone can own. I don't know how to answer that. I think politically and... You know, Liz, as always, jump in if I'm wrong. I mean, politically, where we hail from is Republican stronghold. So, first off, they have that backing politically. And then second, uh, I think many Republicans, you know, they they often get shots from libertarians. Shots was a bad use there. They often get uh, points from libertarians for saying they want smaller government, but they hardly ever deregulate or push government back and often and with the regulations that we have on the books now uh, Republicans often don't fight to overturn those and if they do it's just it just catches the news and then it goes away so I think they with that I think they do not a little bit of regulation but I think for most Republicans I would think they all agree it's a state's issue but Liz I could be wrong that's just how I there's see just it. so much that goes into it yeah, I mean, our state issue right now is if you should be able to have to take a conceal and carry test to get a conceal and carry or if they should allow campus carry on a college's campus. Like, that's a state issue and they're making it a state issue. So, yeah, I would say you're right on that. Gun issues in general, I would say Republicans are wanting to be state issues so that way because New York is going to have a very different view on guns than the small uh, country state in the Midwest and I mean that's reasonable that's very reasonable mm. 
so I don't, I don't know the. I have mixed feelings on, on high weapons like that. So I think that's why I'm kind of, it's hard for me to take myself out of it. I also know that there's like huge hunting guns that are like made to kill bears and like, what is it that Taylor has? He has one that's made to kill an elk. They're that, big guys. They're huge. Mm. And the that's gun not is huge. A gun made to kill a human or many humans at once, like an AR fifteen or an AK forty seven. Which there are Republicans who would say don't touch any of them. Mm-hmm. They're I should be able to buy anything. I think, if I can speak for you, Liz, it's very much that line in the sand, don't push it. They're scared. They're, it's slippery slope, I think, to them. I think it's, a, it, even though that's a logical fallacy, I think, like, okay, they'll come for this. They'll push this back. And lots of times, that's when they invoke that I, it connects back to the bigger issue. And it's weird. We don't think about it. But I think the reason it was included in the our founding documents was the idea that we revolted a tyrannical government with guns. Mm-hmm. So they think, and it's crazy to think that you could revolt against the United States military even with AR-15s. But still, that idea to have that is a right to revolution in a sense. It's crazy, and we're going to like the brinks of, and I'm not saying those conservative Republicans that are saying that are saying so we can revolt. It's kind of that last tie there. It's protection if needed in their mind. Mm. And it's almost like a Wild West policy. That's often why the rest of the world judges us for that, because so many other countries have like given up. Like several other people, like countries around the world, don't even have guns at all. Australia, yeah, as big ones, Australia, and that's just. It's some people debate whether or not it's the American character. It there's too much uh, difference Mm -hmm. in. Like there's, it's too. Our country's always been too divided Mm -hmm. to be able to do something like that. Mm -hmm. So. I, and I think you have to, you can't really have a gun conversation without having a conversation about, um, this issue really shows how strong lobbyists are. Yeah. The NRA is the strongest, one of the strongest organizations with their hands all through Congress. Mm-hmm. And personally, one of our senators here mm-hmm. in our state um, basically lives in the back pocket of the NRA. Mm-hmm. And that's there, there's a reason why no gun regulation, even small background checks, will ever get this senator's vote. It's because... There's so much money being funneled from the NRA into these senators' pockets that why would they, why would they vote mm. against it? Mm. And that brings up a good point. Or for it, uh, is this a state's issue, or is this the federal government's responsibility to regulate, if to regulate at all? Um, I'll go first if y'all don't mind. Yeah. Uh, my opinion is, of course, moderate and compromise because I think. That sweeping, and this is just my view of federalism, that could be an issue in and of itself, sweeping regulations that ought to happen across the board ought to come from the federal government. So specifically, in this case, regulating, hypothetically, AR-15s or assault weapons or stuff like that, semi-automatic. I believe that ought to come from the federal level. Uh, And then when it comes to regulating, you know, rural areas and specific sections of populace that ought to be left up to the state. So what does that look like? I think we kind of see that now in our democracy. Like where we were from, guns, they weren't as regulated down. And our local governments didn't feel like that was needed for our populaces. But here in the city that we currently are, they do not allow guns in the city. So I think 
that makes sense. And what I want to see is more sweeping if we need it, which I do think we do, specifically with not allowing people to have hands on firearms if they are on the no-fly list or if they're suspected of terrorism or anything like that. I think that is a perfect example of sweeping federal regulation. But once again, I'm in the middle. Well, I would say I've kind of already stated my beef with this. I think it's a state issue. I think that it wouldn't make sense for the entire country just based on things that happen in different areas of the country. Just like outdoorsmanship and like it's different in different parts of the country. I think it's a state issue and I think that it wouldn't make any sense for the federal government to say one wide sweep. Here's how it's going to be. Here's the problem with uh, leaving it to the states. Um, there's It creates this huge inconsistencies across the country. Um, you have one state that is very loose on, on guns and you have another state right next to it that's very strict on guns and it creates um, an imbalance. Chicago has one of the highest uh, gun violence rates in the country. Um, Illinois has very strict gun regulations, but the guns that are coming to Chicago are not coming from Illinois. They're coming from Indiana next door that has very loose gun regulations. So that's the kind of thing that happens. You know, you go to a state where you can easily buy a gun and you cross the border and you go into a state where uh, there's a bigger city and now you have a gun. Um, I, I have a lot of problems with leaving things to the states. I think some things should be left to the states like education and that kind of thing. But um, when it comes to, and we saw the same thing with marriage equality. For a long time, you know, people in our state had to cr travel across the country to get married because it was not legal to get married here if you were a gay man or a gay woman. And then they'd have to come back. We're going to see the same thing happen with uh, marijuana. It's, it's, it creates this inconsistency. And guns is just one of those things that needs to be decided at a federal level. Mm. I highly disagree. Highly disagree. But I already said why, so. And this is one of those things that I get really fired up about just listening to because I just have always had dreams of the federal government or the either the House or the Senate thinking this ought to be the law of the land. And we haven't seen that in a long bit. And I think I personally agree that what I mentioned ought to be federal regulation for that reason you mentioned. Uh, however, I am hesitant about any more than that, because I do believe that both of your arguments make sense to an extent. I mean, they're both experiments with democracy. So that's just an interesting thought. Are there any last minute at all feelings about guns or? Once again, I'd like to reiterate that the Democrat position is not to take away guns. Please do not believe that. That is a lie. That's fair. It's a political ruling. Also, just because you're a Republican doesn't mean that you are a gun-toting <laughs> member right. of the NRA. Or that you think that open carry should be the law of the law. Because that's yeah. an extreme, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I like diving into those big issues. That's a good time. Now, we're going to move on to a fan favorite segment. <laughs> Microfesto. It's like a game show, but with half the fun and none of the stakes. Each contestant will have 15 seconds to give their opinion on a given issue and not will not be allowed to respond to the other comments. Even though the major news this week was pretty light, there are several smaller news stories that you probably saw all over your Facebook timelines. Many of these are still up in the air. <laughs> Speaking of up in the air, let's start with the United Airlines incident. <laughs> This loves it. I know. In case you've been living under a rock, a United Airlines passenger was yanked off a plane by the avi by aviation authorities due to overbooking by United. 
the man, Dr. David Dow, was asked to exit plane. He refused and thus was dragged off, leaving him bruised and bloodied. His attorney said that he believes that his client is the guy to be the legal poster child for passenger rights. All right, Isaac, go. What a PR nightmare for United. This does not look good. Now, was da Dr. David Dow in the right completely? Maybe not. But <laughs> he should not have been dragged by his arms out of a plane. This looks bad. Let's try to be nice, everyone, even corporations. Don't fly United. Let's show them who's boss. <laughs> Me, go. Here's how I think. Often when it comes to flight stories, I've had the same opinion as Louis C.K. I've often find flight nightmare stories just the... the Fattest excuse of American first world problems. Oh, you sat on a tarmac for 45 minutes. You flew on a plane <laughs> up in the sky. Our ancestors died on the Oregon Trail with dysentery six months to take that trip. But I do feel that this issue was far in the wrong. And I do think that this does open the ground for litigation to be had for what has been often referenced by my father as passengers' rights. <laughs> Well, I would have to say that Isaac and I flew United when we were uh, coming home from New York, or maybe it was going to New York, I don't remember, and it was a very pleasant experience. But since then, and since this incident, I have been watching videos as to how to get out of someone yanking me somewhere on the ground, and they are very informational. I do not think he was in the right because he obviously needed to leave the plane. I'm assuming he doesn't have a seat or something like that happened if it was overbooked. So I'm not sure exactly what they ex he expected them to do. Uh, but I also am not going to say it's okay that United decided to just pull him by his hands and feet. Never is that okay. Never is that okay. Um, oh. Let me just say... I hate this. I don't want to break the rules. Yeah, you're breaking the rules. No. This I just, is a it, game show with half the fun. For the for the listeners, mm -hmm. fact check, he did have a seat. Okay. All right. Press secretary, Sean Spicer, just can't do anything right. This week, when answering questions about Syria, Spicer compared Hitler favorably to Bashar Assad, saying that even the infamous German dictator did not sink to the level of using chemical weapons. A statement that is not true. He would then go on to have several botched apologies referring to a concentration camp as Holocaust centers, until finally apologizing and calling his comments as reprehensible. I shall start. Now, I thought my feelings can be summed up in a great quote from Joe from Morning Joe. There are four things you don't do. One, you don't talk about Hitler at all. Period. <laughs> Doesn't come out well. Second, you don't get into an Asian land war. Third, you don't invade Russia in the winter. Hitler and Napoleon learned that. The only time you can invoke Hitler. And then lastly, fourth rule, don't think when you're playing Risk that you will start out conquering Europe your first turn. It won't work. There's too many tiles. <laughs> Alright, well, all I'm gonna say is somebody needs to send this guy the book and the movie of The Boy in the Striped Pajamas because he obviously doesn't know what the frick happens at, a, at concentration camps. Or as he likes to refer to them, Holocaust centers. Or maybe he should just take a trip downtown in D.C. to the Holocaust Museum. Good lord. This is just insane. Where did they find him? <laughs> Isaac, go. I think Sean Spicer 
it's probably time for um, them to Lenny him, you know, so to speak. <laughs> Take him out, tell him to look at the flowers, and then <laughs> goodbye. Um, That's a terrible, <laughs> terrible thing. No, we can't respond. It's, it's just... It's gross. Why would you even talk about Hitler at all? Let's just not talk about Hitler. Can we just say, let's not talk about Hitler in the pre- in the White House press briefing. You're not going to do it right. You're not going to do it right. All right. Now, we're not in Kansas anymore. The last microfesto will cover two elections that will give indi- indication to what will happen in 2018. This last Tuesday, Republican Ron S. won a House seat in Kansas's 4th Congressional District over Democrat James Thompson, which may not seem like news if you know Kansas. But however, it was an uncomfortably close race for the Republicans, with East winning by just seven points in a district which President Trump won by 27 in the fall election. Another special election in Georgia this upcoming Tuesday may only go to further the notion that Republicans could be in trouble come 2018, with the Democrat John Ossoff pulling well. Tory, go. Well, all I have to say about this is it just shows that we're going to have to work extra hard, but at the same time, we have seen this week since certain things have happened that the numbers for the president are going up, even in the slightest. That's a good sign for us. And obviously we're going to have to work hard in the next election, which I think we all knew the second that we found out it was pretty much a red sweep this year. So it's not really a surprise to me at all. Isaac, go. For any Democrat that's feeling disappointed that we didn't win the election in Kansas, you were dreaming if you thought it was going to happen. It was all about the margin, and the margin was embarrassing for Republicans, especially in Kansas. I think the Democrat's probably going to win in Georgia on Tuesday, and that's uh, he's polling quite a bit ahead, and that's deep red Georgia. So um, I think it's going to be spell trouble for Republicans in 2018. Lastly, I shall go. My opinion is thus. Special elections, there's still elections. And I always find it funny when special elections get lots of news coverage. I'm like, oh my gosh, crazy stuff can happen. Yep, there's still hope for democracy in our republic. And with that being said, I do think that this is a bellwether. And I do think that Republicans should consider the fact that they have their poster child in the White House. And when it comes to midterm history, that's often what causes you to lose. So the folks on the ground, if the Republicans want to win, need to tote their accomplishments and do not piggyback off of President Trump. Those are just my feelings. All right. Now, before we get to our last bit, we always like to talk about something else instead of politics. However, we did have a viewer reach out to us with a few great points of clarification that I thought it would be point to adjust. We do listen to your comments and we do listen to what you send us. Now, there was a few clarifications when we talked about Gorsuch. I believe it was last week, right, Isaac? Uh, And basically, it wasn't... We alleged that Gorsuch was the person in his uh, Hobby Lobby case that made it so corporations were identified as people. We were correct with that assumption. It is, in fact, the Dictionary Act, as it's called by Congress, just a real quick explanation of it. Basically, in all acts of legislation before this act, they would have to legally define each word. So in order to not do that word all the time, they would have to they pass what was called the Dictionary Act. And in it, they define an individual as an individual person or a corporation, hence where that came from. Also, that viewer wanted to point out that when we were saying, specifically me, we're going off that Republicans chained the balance of power with that, that really it was Harry Reid that started this movement. He wanted to make that clear. I disagree with that assumption, but for the sake of civility, 
We wanted to make that out in the public. All right, that's the last we'll talk about politics. Now, whew, we understand that this political climate can be excruciatingly stressful at times. So we'd like to take the end with a segment where we don't even talk about politics because we do in fact think about other things too. This is a segment called In Other News, which gives us the opportunity to talk about a non-political news story that has caught our eye from the week. Who would like to go first? Liz? No? Liz? Isaac. I will go. <laughs> so, here it is. The first trailer came out. The trailer for The Last Jedi came out. And it looks amazing and scary and makes me sad. I don't want Luke Skywalker to go away. We need the Jedis. Uh, I've been doing a really great time this go-around, unlike what I did with Force Awakens, by not reading up on all like the... Ugh, the conspiracy theories for what's happening. It kind of, it didn't ruin my experience with Force Awakens, but it didn't help it. So I'm just watching the stuff that is officially from them. And this makes me nervous for a deeper reason. I love Star Wars, but that's because I think it has a huge tie with the American experience since the 70s. Real quick, New Hope, a band of ragtag rebels takes on an evil empire, us versus the Soviets. Uh, Attack of the it's yeah Attack of the Empire the fifth one is then when they come Empire back Strikes Empire Strikes Back sorry I'm getting flustered He's Empire excited Strike, Empire Strikes Back is when they come back and oh my gosh they're big they're powerful can we make it through Return of the Jedi yes democracy it can win and the Jedi have returned and then we go back to the prequels and then we understand how uh, just how crazy being a democracy can be and how it can be corrupted and how anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering and then you do remember that how great things can be with you know the force awakens and how just nostalgic you can be and how democ democracy can work but can be destroyed because you know they used the big star killer base and they destroyed him but it was still hopeful and i needed that and then the election happened and then i watched it again and was still hopeful but now star wars i could go to it and it could just be like everything else is depressing the, I'm excited. I wa I woke up to the trailer, mm -hmm. which was great. I watched it three times mm -hmm. in my bed, and it was the best way to start the day. Breathe. It's so great. And um, The Force Awakens is my favorite Star Wars movie, so I'm really excited to see the follow-up. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. Liz, you got anything? About news this week or no, about, about Star Wars? No, about Star Wars. Well, I'm about to be beheaded, but I haven't seen it yet. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'll add that in. Yeah. Um, so I haven't seen it yet, so I can't really give my two cents on it. But I like Star Wars, and I think it will probably be pretty good. It's been good so far. Honorable mention: the Thor trailer. Yeah, the Star Wars trailer came out and kind of overshadowed it. But... Yeah, come on, Disney, plan that out. Yeah, they own you both. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay. My another news today is um, actually another podcast I've been listening to all week. I don't mean to plug another podcast, but this podcast is great. If you're a podcast listener, you probably already know because it's number one on iTunes. It's by um, the same people who did Serial and do This American Life, and it is called S-Town. It is about a man in Alabama and his life, and it is probably one of the greatest podcasts I've ever heard and one of the greatest stories I've ever heard told. It's it's absolutely amazing. You need to. There's seven episodes. They're all available for you. You need to go subscribe. You need to listen. It's amazing. My news... Potentially the most important news that's happened this week. There is a 99% chance 
that Corinne is going to be in Bachelor in Paradise. That's right, everybody. That's not even me clapping. That's Isaac <laughs> clapping because we're excited. It's our favorite, favorite, favorite bachelorette from Ben's season of Bachelor. Next season. Next season, not Ben. That would have been weird. Anyways, she's probably going to be in Bachelor in Paradise, and it's the best thing ever if she is because, let's be real, Corinne is everyone's secret favorite. The only thing is, what's her face? Who? Raven. Not Raven. I like Raven. Who was it that Corinne hated? But didn't. Taylor? Yeah. Is she going to be there? I don't know. I can Probably see, not. I can see them throwing Taylor in on Taylor Corinne. has about as much charm as a piece of sandpaper. So the thing that makes me um makes me a little <laughs> cautious, though, about this is why it's 99%. Corinne is apparently dating someone right now, but she says she'll probably still be in Bachelor in Paradise. That makes me nervous. For lots of reasons, like morally wrong, but Liz, you shouldn't be nervous. You know why? Because the show's fake. Listen, okay. <laughs> this bachelor. is the first season I watched of The Bachelor, and I used to be like Adam. I used to hate it. I watched this season. Part the part of the reason I like it is Corinne. Side note: <laughs> If you hate on Corinne, it's probably more about you than her. Seriously, she's though. like she's like fine. Leave her alone. But, oh, she eats cheese pasta and has a nanny. She must be like five years old. Shut your mouth. But I actually watched it this season. I actually kind of like it. So you might like it, Adam. Open your mind. Corinne and I have a lot in Corinne. common, such as she likes cheese pasta, as she calls it. I like my mom's homemade macaroni. So pretty much we're soul sisters. That's what I've decided. When yeah. she went home, I almost cried. Okay. Wow. So... That's what I think about life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's our last segment. So this is the part where we all say our departing tagline. Liz, oh, you... first, let me oh. plug. Yeah, so, okay. No, please plug. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook um, at the Millennial Manifesto Podcast. That's also our Gmail, the Millennial Manifesto Podcast at gmail.com. If you submit questions or comments, we will read them on the air mm -hmm. and you'll be famous. That is true. We had two things up this week which were because of what folks asked. Yeah. So we can um, listen. Man at Manifesto Pod on Twitter. And if you could rate, review, subscribe the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud, that would actually help us out a lot. Mm. All right. Liz, how are you signing off this week? Well, I think what we all are thinking right now, thanks for making it through another episode. Four. Wow. You did it. You did it. I've been working on my tagline. Hmm. I've been working. This has been the fourth time. I hope this works. It's always been the same theme. Uh -huh. I'm just trying to get the right word. Hey, Gen Xers. Talk to a millennial. We might be able to fix things for you. Like oh. the Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> like how to set up your printer. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Oh, <laughs> That was so sad. Though. I appreciate it. That was really sweet. There's been a lot of cool people reaching out to me on Facebook and stuff, and I just appreciate it. So Yeah. We're that sending out our love. Yeah. And Thanks now we're going to send out for Chinese food. Bye. See you later, Playa. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> Can someone get um, hysterical for a moment? <laughs> <laughs>
say something with it. I don't know what that. Respond to me saying Donald J. Trump is better than Harry S. Truman. That is a bold-faced lie. Harry S. Truman came from the people, and he served the people, and he did a lot more in his time than many other presidents could ever dream of. <laughs>